All right, folks, what's going on? This is Jake Hofer, and this is The Land Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Happy Monday. This episode, we have a great one. It is with Tyler Tissue. He is from Iowa and has been a land broker for about 15 years now, started in 2007, and uh, has done a lot of transactions over those years, has bought and sold multiple farms himself, currently sits on 200 acres in Iowa that he has pieced together. And so whenever you get to talk to someone like this, they have a lot of experience and wisdom and has seen the market take different cycles. And uh, so we break down what he thinks is going on right now in today's land market. Where does go. Um, Interesting take on interest rates. What happens if Iowa ever opened up a landowner tag? So a non-resident landowner tag, what would that do to uh, potentially the deer herd? And then beyond that, what would it do to land prices? So a really interesting conversation. We hope you guys enjoy it. If you are looking to buy your first farm, there's some things you can learn in this. And if you already own one, you'll get some interesting uh, advice on a farm that he wish he wouldn't have sold. So Hope you guys enjoy. As always, be sure to go to Linktree and sign up for the email resource. Um, So we're going to be sending out resources that are exclusive to anyone that signs up. I know it's taken a little bit longer than uh, even what I would would have liked, but that's the reality of just uh, wearing many hats and juggling a lot of responsibilities. But I promise when we send something out, it is going to be good. So um, I appreciate your patience. And aside from that, hope you guys have a wonderful week. We're going to be at the Iowa Deer Classic. So be sure to stop at the Exodus booth. Stop by, tell us how your season went, and we'll have a show special there. So let's just get right into this week's episode. All right, I got Tyler Tissue, a uh, fellow Land Pros agent. How's it going this uh, afternoon now? It's going awesome, man. It's been a it's been a busy time period here, but it's good. Yeah, yeah. So excited to hop on here and talk. I know um, you have over a decade of real estate experience now. Is that right? Let's see. I've been licensed since 2007, so about 15 years. 15 years, so decade and a half. So yeah. um, been a been a broker for 15 years, and then your main or your other profession is medical sales. Is that correct? Yeah. So, uh, so orthopedic, orthopedic sales. So I did that for, you know, probably, uh, probably seven years here in, in between all that stuff here and kind of going yeah. back that had a little bit of a distributorship and, and, uh, so yeah. And I have a, the crazy thing is here. So I sell real estate, I sell medical, medical device and I have a finance degree. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's, that's how that works, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. thousand dollars for an education and you do something you don't even get that education for. Yeah. Well, my degree's uh, up there and does nothing for me too. So <laughs> I'm in the same boat. Um, so how did you get in medical sales? Cause I think that's a really competitive space and it could be, um, you know, a high income position, but correct me if I'm wrong, but it's gotta be super competitive. It is cutthroat as could be. And, uh, my, uh, my only real in at first was, uh, was I actually did CrossFit with a orthopedic surgeon. And we became very good friends. And so he ended up introducing me some, you know, guys that were in the business. And since I had that relationship, they brought me on and, you know, they obviously saw that I was, you know, motivated and could do sales and could, you know, and, and you have to have such a high, you know, knowledge and comprehension ability there. And at first it was like, it was like mud on a wall, you know, it's like you throw enough of it and eventually it sticks. And, and you know, cause like I said, I have a finance degree and I had to learn every single bone in the body, you know, pretty much. And I was, I remember when I first started that business, I was at, the, at that time I was doing spine surgery, um, you know, orthopedic spine surgery, as well as, you know, knees, hips and shoulders and ankles and all that stuff. And so I got thrown two weeks into, into doing that job and the, running my own cases, you know, so I'm in the OR, you know, most of the time. And I, now I just pretty much consult, you know, in a lot of, in a lot of levels, but I'm in the OR, you know, helping uh, two weeks, sorry, two weeks after I started there, I was in the OR helping put oh, in my spine. You know, see, that's kind of crazy, isn't it? <laughs> it is, it is, you know, but uh, you know, it's, I've always had the mentality that what, that what one person can do, another can do, you know, sure. and I've never felt limited by, or scared to go and, uh, and attack anything, you know, that was out there if I felt like it was within my realm. You know, so, yeah. And it's all turned out good. You know, I mean, I've, you know, and obviously I, you know, I do a ton of stuff here with, with land pros, you know, as well. And that's, uh, that's my main gig. And, and, mm-hmm. uh, and that's, that's just a, been a, a blessing, you know, cause it's something I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy. I love every single piece of dirt I get on. Yep. I get excited about every single one. Every now and then you get an ugly one that you got to figure out, you know, how to make it exciting. Yeah. Uh, but, for the most part, I, I mean, I, I love that, you know, and, and uh, so, and, I, and I've been doing this for a long time. I was probably, like I said, I, I've been doing this for 15 years now. And I started off with, uh, 
uh, with Farmers National, actually. And okay. I was wanting to get into the recreational side of that. And they wanted to start it up. They didn't really have anything. And so I kind of started that up with them originally. And that didn't really go anywhere. So then uh, then there was a company called uh, Midwest, uh, Midwest, uh, Midwest Land Company. Mm-hmm. And then uh, at that time it was it was we were pretty much focused on all recreational stuff and there was a you know there was probably seven guys on that which most of those seven guys ended up turning into whitetail properties and so then i ended up going with whitetail properties and i was with them for you know five years and uh and really just working up in northeast iowa at that time and uh, and where i work in southeast iowa right now and uh so yeah i've, I've been all over this state selling land and everywhere yeah. shape. Yeah. So how much have you, have you seen this space change from 2007 to 2022? I, I would assume it's became, become a lot more sophisticated. Um, but what's your opinion on it? <laughs> well, to give you an idea, I used to carry around a, a fax machine and a printer <laughs> in my truck to make deals happen that quick. I oh mean, my gosh. Literally, you know, cause we didn't have DocuSign then. So, you know, it was like, okay, I need to drive over to this person's house and get a document signed here. And I just got to, and I'm going from this person, from the, from the sellers and I got to go to the buyer over here. And I just print it off in my truck literally and, uh, and do wow. it that way. And Man, we're so, spoiled now. Oh, this is so much easier. Although I did just have uh, I think I told you, I, I, I just recently, I got 350 acres under contract and it was, it was four brothers who were selling it. Oh yeah. And they all have flip phones and not a single one of them had email. And <laughs> that was a nightmare trying to get all four of them to sign. And oh yeah. So you still deal with that every now and then. So, and I've, you know, obviously I've got that experience of being able to do all that type of stuff and, and being in front of them. So it's no problem for me, but, but these days for, for younger agents who never really had to do that. Yeah. It's, it's probably a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. A blast from the past there. So beyond just the technology advancements in terms of even just digital maps, Onyx, like, you know, there's a lot of specialized brokerages now too, which as you kind of seen this space mature, quite frankly, in the last 15 years, where do you, where do you see things going from here? Is it, you know, are some of these players just going to stay or is it going to continue to get more competitive? Cause there's only so much dirt. There's only so much recreational ground and this, this sub market of real estate is only so big at the end of the day. You know, so, so I have been through a you know, cycle, you know, similar to this, like in, I, and I think that it's extremely competitive right now. Most of what you see is a lot of these real estate companies now really just adding agents, you know, adding bodies and, you know, what are they really bringing to the table? I mean, you know, they're just, maybe they know somebody that can go and sell their piece of ground, but are they bringing a whole lot of experience? Really not. And to get, you know, to be in this business, I mean, you got to get through years to really, you know, to, to really know, you know, how to do this business really, really well. And once mm-hmm. you get a couple of years of, of doing a bunch of deals, then you really know it. When you just come in, it's tough. Um, I think that it's going to be, uh, here's what I see happening as, as the economy uh, tightens up, which, you know, we can, we can elaborate on that here, but, you know, I think that's coming. And as that, as that happens and you have in, you know, there's less deals that are out there, you've got, uh, you know, cause right now you can, right now with the seller's market, like it is, you can, literally just breathe and go sell a piece of ground. I mean, right. it's just not very hard to do that right now because everybody's looking to buy. Um, but that's going to change. And when all of a sudden you really got to know your stuff and you really got to know how to work a deal, the ins and outs of it, you know, then that's going to weed a lot of these agents out, you know, so where these guys are all specializing and where they're bringing on a whole bunch of guys to, you know, surround to maybe they're one really, you know, really good guy when there's not enough, you know, enough food on the table, you're going to see those guys start to drop off, you know, and it's going to go back to, you know, the similar ones where there's going to be, you know, like in Southeast Iowa, there's probably five of us, you know, that have been around for a long time. And, and you know what, when that time comes through and, and starts weeding out everybody else, we're still going to be here, you know? Yeah. And so that's another way it's so down economies really weed that out, you know? Um, and I think that's, yeah, I don't know how much of a down economy is going to come, but it's, it's going to get, it's, it's not going to stay like this. You sure. know, it's not going to stay like a hot market like it is right now. Sure. Now with any type of market cycle, do you think that, and you've seen multiple market cycles now, if you started in 07 of big buyers coming in and scooping up larger deals that are maybe in distress. Uh, maybe it's with cash on the sideline. Cause I mean, there's a lot of folks that I know that have made a point to reach out to me and they're like, well, you know, I was like, they're, 
everyone's always looking for a deal at all times if they have a pulse <laughs> and they like land, but they're like, they're patient. And I was like, well, right now there's really, you know, there's no quote unquote screaming deals. They're like, well, we're patient. We can buy cash when things draw back. Do you, have you, did you see that happen in 2008, 9, 10? Yeah. So that's really when it happened was in 2008 and there would, there would certainly be those deals. Um, but it wasn't, uh, but there wasn't a ton of, you know, like it wasn't like guys were fire sailing or anything like that. I mean, like 10, 15% all- discounts. You know, I don't even know about that, you know, in a lot yeah. of stuff because uh, it just really, unless somebody was really in a distressed situation, which there was some of those that would come around, it really didn't happen that often. What I noticed through 2008, which by the way, uh, during that time period, um, I was working for Whitetail Properties and I, uh, I did not sell a farm for six months during that mm-hmm. time period. And then uh, my, my partner at that time, who was my hunting partner, and we also worked together with real estate, was Rich Baugh, who's still in Southeast Iowa with Whitetail Properties there. Um, he didn't sell one for nine months. Mm-hmm. And so we went through a time period where we just didn't, nobody, nobody bought, nobody sold. It was just stagnant. Um, but what happened too was is that the prices really didn't go down. They just hovered there because nobody wanted to sell at a loss. And a lot of these farmers maybe had some income. They could make it over a year. I think, you know, the only time period we've even really had where, at least in, in, in our lifetime, my lifetime, um, where prices actually went backwards significantly was in the early to mid eighties, you know, when we had mm. super high interest rates Yeah. and, and first off, I don't even see that happening, you know, going forward in the future is because first off our country can't afford that, you know, that type of interest because they can't pay off the debt at that rate. Um, and they know it's not good for the economy as it, as it was proven, you know, in the, in the eighties when that came yep. through. Um, so I don't see that really happening. Um, you know, but where there's going to be some changes, where is there going to be some people that are going to sell at a discount? Absolutely. Um, but I don't think it's going to be huge, huge losses unless you find somebody that really is in a distressed situation. Sure. I just, during that time period, I didn't see it really happen, especially with, with productive, productive land. You know, a yep. lot of these people just don't have to sell unless they were so leveraged on so much other stuff during that time. Um, you know, which, you know, you'll get some of those guys at work, but uh, it's just not, I don't think it's going to happen a ton. Sure. No, I'm glad you bring that up because I think some people think that there's just like this magical golden time where you can just get the steel of the century. And um, I would say maybe that's not the case based on what you're saying. Cause everyone's like, Oh man, I'm just waiting for this. Well, I love the people that have been, even within the last two years, like oh, I'm waiting, I'm waiting for the economy to crash. It's going to be, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to get a steal. Well, and then everything has gone up 25, 30%. And you're like, you're still sitting on the sidelines. Yeah. You know, and there was a part of my, even my mentality where, where I was always like, okay, Hey, wait for the bottom, wait for the bottom, wait for the bottom. You know, and here's what happened is that I watched everything go up. <laughs> I just kept on watching everything go up. And it's like, it, and I, and I noticed that from an early time when I was doing this and I'm like, you know, it basically came like, what the hell am I doing sitting on the sidelines? You know, I mean, I know land, I know land, I love land. You know, why am I not investing in this thing? Yeah. Maybe I'm not buying at the exact bottom. Maybe, maybe it has a little bit of a correction here, you know, next year, but land has always gone up. I mean, you know, the thing that we forget too, is like, when you watch the history of land is, I mean, in the seventies, we had a hundred million people, hundred million, like less people in this country. I mean, we've got so many more people in this country now that we've got a population that's growing, you know, that needs to be fed, that is looking for land. I mean, land's not going down. I mean, had some super black swan event or, or we get in this war with Russia and they start throwing nukes at us, you know I mean? Right. That stuff's not happening, which, which if that happens, we're all screwed. You right. know, it doesn't really you're, matter. You're not buying ground anyhow. <laughs> we're no, selling it. We can survive. Yeah. So, so no, so, uh, uh, so yeah, no, I don't, I don't, I just don't see, you know, a whole lot of, you know, a black swan event necessarily happening like that. Could it? Yeah, maybe. But it, over time, you're going to, you, you just went out with land, you know, they're not making any more of it. I mean, especially if you can find a, a good, uh, a good productive piece, you know, and, and whatever way, way it is, I mean, whether it's tillable or whether it's deer land, I mean, cause, cause uh, even recreation land has proven to turn, has proven to be a commodity on its own. You know, mm-hmm. if, if a property has really, really good deer hunting on it, that's, that's the deer is the deer is the commodity, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, and that's why some properties are better than others and, and bring out much higher price because of that. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy to think, uh, you know, an animal that has a roughly a lifespan of let's say five or six years, uh, you know, like in its constant, like fresh class of deer, obviously some areas produce giant deer and there's the genetic sides of things, but have you seen, is there any examples where you do business Southeast Iowa or like one pocket is top, top tier ones like, okay. And, and do the prices reflect that? 
you know, what's, what's funny is, is that, uh, so I've, and then all this time period I've done this, I've, I've watched all of these areas and there's certain areas that I know that have really, really good genetics. And there's, and there's areas that, you know, that are, that just have really good deer altogether. Um, but everything cycles. And what also started to happen too, is as you know, that, uh, as a lot of these farms were had that had really, really good deer, maybe they were killing 200 inches off the thing. And, you know, out of five years, they killed two or three, 200 inch deer off the thing. But what all, what started to happen too, was a lot of these guys, they came in, they buy, buy these farms. And I, I mean, I know what they do, you know, but they just make them sanctuaries. They're not really managing, managing them probably like they were before they weren't shooting cold bucks. They weren't shooting any does. They weren't doing that type of stuff. And all of a sudden they're like, I don't have a deer over 170 inches. And so I know a lot of those guys, a lot of those guys that are out there and, you, you know, and I have this constant, this constant conversation with, especially with so many people that, you know, that I sell ground to and, and that are clients of mine, former clients of mine. I talk to so many people throughout the entire season, you know, about management perspective. And it's like, you know what, if, if you're just going to let, uh, if you're going to let all these bully eight pointers, you know, grow up and, and be king of the ring over there and you're not going to take care of them, you're, you're probably going to get just that, you yeah. know, you gotta, you, you gotta get rid of those. And uh, so I'm a huge proponent of, of managing farms, not just putting in food plots and letting the population get out of control. And, sure. and that so many, so I've seen areas, you know, down in Southeast Iowa, you know, where, and I'll, and I'll name one in particular, um, Bill Winkie's, you know, farm, you know, uh, Bill had some incredible, incredible, incredible deer for years and years and years. And not that he wasn't, uh, you know, he was obviously killing does, but that entire area over there just went downhill because there was such a huge population of deer. None of these coal bucks, you know, seemed to be getting killed. And, you know, there was a 600 acre farm that was, that was over there here just as of last year. And it had, it had giants on it for years and years and years. And actually one of our HSR company went and put a trail camera over there and they couldn't find uh, on six corn piles. They couldn't find a deer over 150 inches on this 600 wow. acre farm in Southeast Iowa, you know, um, but that could it come back. Absolutely. That's the thing is in, you know, a farm I have right now is, you know, when I got it, it was pure junk, you know, and I'm slowly building that up. So when you say junk, like habitat, deer population, quality of deer, all the above, you know, so for instance, my, the farm I bought, you know, was outfitted and, you know, before I bought it. And I'd say probably anything with nine points was, you know, somewhat mature, three years old and, and, and up was getting killed. Mm-hmm. And, but the genetics were, were there, you know, you could see that in them. And so then I just had on this farm, I just had all these just, just 120 inch, you know, five, six, seven year old deer, you know, that are running <laughs> around the farm, you know, that isn't exactly what you want to be mature on your farm. And just, and really those were the breeders, you know, those were the breeders doing the most of it. And, and, you know, you could just kind of, you could see that's what, what had happened to this thing for a really long time. Um, so, you know, and so on my farm, I went in there and, and for the last couple of years, I've been bringing friends and family and we've been absolutely pounding them down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if there's, if there's a deer, my, my philosophy has always been, if there's a, you know, if you've got 10, three-year-olds and five of them are, are, eight pointers are, you know, aren't 110 inches, 120 inches, you know, and I've got five, 10 pointers, you know, that plus, you know, that have more points than that, you know, I'm going to probably focus on those three-year-old eight pointers right there and try to keep those, you know, those, those 10 pointers around and sure. same thing the age class goes up. You know, if they, my whole entire philosophy is, is if they had the potential to reach, you know, 160, 170, I'm going to keep them around. Otherwise I'm gonna let friends and family go take them out and mm-hmm. uh, let them enjoy it. Yeah. So I guess what this could really boil down to is a quote unquote management area, like managed area could actually be one of the limiting factors based off what you're saying. Like if no one's taking the effort to, you know, have that right balance, which is kind of crazy to think. Cause I just think even Pike County, Illinois, it used to be the Mecca and now, now nothing good comes out of that County. I mean, there's some nice deer, but it's not, it's not the best part of the state anymore, in my opinion. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's, it's not, uh, you know, it's, it's not deer control. It's, it's people control, you know, and that's really what it comes down to is, is, you know, first off, are you, are you letting, are you letting the right deer, you know, get to get past four, you know, and, and especially if you're looking at the, in some of these really high, high, high end uh, managed areas, 170 inch deer in, in Iowa, four years old, isn't, isn't abnormal, you know, it, they can definitely get there. But in a lot of these areas there, they see 170 inch deer, he's getting popped, you know, you get into these really, you know, high end areas and you know what, they're getting past it, you know, then, and they're going to be 185, 190 the next year at five. And then they may even make a decision to let them go to six, you know? Mm-hmm. And so 
which, you know, some of the farms I've been part of, we used to do that. And so I've seen all this, you know, this type of stuff happen, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just, it is, it is a limiting factor for a lot of these farms and these guys who just, you know, it, this happens where guys buy, come in from out of state and they just buy them. They let's just let the farms, you know, go the way that, the way they are. And they, and they probably, you know, it's not that they can't have big deer. Um, it's just that overall, as a general rule, I mean, if we're playing money ball for deer, um, if you're going in and you're getting rid of these mature, you know, deer that aren't as good genetically and aren't going to run out your really good genetic bucks and have a healthy, you know, healthy population of deer on your farm that can handle the habitat and the food, you know, if you can do those factors, you're going to win in the long term. If you don't do those things, it's going to have a slow drain on the farm. And when these farms have been managed that way for 20 years and they just kind of let the same thing happen, well, you're going to get what you get. You're going to get a lot of, you know, less, you know, you know, lesser bucks, you know, that aren't going to reach, you know, that, you know, that Boone and Crockett, you know, class, you know, deer, because that's the stuff that's been breeding around there. Cause, or because you've been killing the four year old one seventies, you know, that, that, uh, that never had a chance to go out there and breed more does, you know, mm-hmm. and then you let all the eight pointers do all that for, you know, for the rest of the uh, rest of their lives. Here's a fun question. You have a golden ticket in your pocket. You can go pick 40 acres anywhere in the country. Uh, you don't have to say like the County or anything, but you can say as much regional as you want. You can go anywhere in the country. You have a four, you can go pick out 40 acres. What part of what, what state and what region would you pick? I'm right where I'm at. I'm a <laughs> That's the right answer. There's a reason. There's a reason uh-huh. you know, why I own farms here and why I want to be here. I mean, a hundred percent, the best, you know, the best deer hunting in the country is, is right here in my opinion. I mean, sure. is there other areas that, uh, that might be pretty good? Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh-huh. I mean, but, but as far as, you know, the bow hunting is incredible in the state, you know, the, you know, the, the late season's incredible, the, you know, the overall management of the Iowa herd, they, they, they limit the non-residents, oh, yeah. you know, whether you like that or not, it is, it's the factor of that is, is very, very helpful from, you know, we don't have outfitters coming in here and, and, you know, just like, you know, you're from Illinois, the outfitters yeah. controlled a good majority of that really high end, uh, you know, farmland and, and, and recreational land over there. And, you know, you get a guy from from New York or from Massachusetts or wherever, and that's the biggest year they ever saw that was 130 inches. He's probably getting smashed, mm-hmm. you know. And it just doesn't work out, you know, for long term for management. And uh, you know, you talk to a lot of guys who have been in this game a long time, like me, and and you just, you know that's that it's a it's it may not be the only factor, but it's it's a major factor. Oh yeah, I'm sitting on four points. I mean, I'm I'm your guys's neighbor, and I still have to wait five six years to go hunt over there. And then, I mean, okay, so let me ask you this. So there's you know, I don't know, every couple of years, there's always a rumor of, uh, you know, Iowa changing some statutes to where if you're a landowner, you can get a tag every year. Do you, do you think a, that'll ever happen? And B, what would that do to land prices in Iowa? Um, so, uh, could it happen? Absolutely. Um, you know, but, it, and I think it would, here's what it would do. It was, it would raise the recreational land prices quickly and then it would peter out. Um, and just because here's what it ended up happening too is, is I think what you'd see probably is you saw some guys all of a sudden come in, grab some stuff. They can grab a 300 acres and go sell it off into maybe some forties because some other non residents sure. I think it'd be disastrous. Um, yeah. Personally, I, I don't like the idea one bit. I mean, you know, anybody, if there's a non-resident listening to me, they're probably hating me right now, but <laughs> I just don't, I don't like the idea. Um, I think that because I, whether that benefit me right now, yeah, that that'd be nice, but I, I, I love the deer herd in Iowa, the deer hunting in Iowa and the way we've done it so much that I don't really care whether that would benefit me or not. I'd rather see, I'd rather see our, you know, our resource quite honestly continue to be the way that it is. Yeah. And, and so when you do get the a, that, you know, let's call it the golden ticket, you know, to come to Iowa, you know, that it's an unbelievable hunt when, you know, when you do. And, and I think that's, you know, I, I think that, that, kind of goes across the board with a lot of residents and even the non-residents that, that I talk to a lot of times are like, you know what? Yeah. It's tough to get, but when we go there, we love it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I, and I think that, uh, I think that would still, the course we're going right now, there's a reason why I was the best and it's because of the things that we've done. I mean, look at every, look at all of our neighbors around us, that every single state that's touching us. And, and we're hundred percent, you know, if you ask any, any bow hunter in the country and they're like, yeah, we're probably going to Iowa, you know, if yeah. they had a choice. Yeah. Anyone, anyone with a brain will say that. I think, uh, just if, if your pure goal is to kill a a mature whitetail, I mean, there's not a better place on earth to do it. Um, and mature being five plus too, because I know mature can, can mean different things in different parts of the country. Um, 
So, I mean, in 10 years, do you think that'll happen? The, the landowner gets a tag every year or, or 20 years, or do you think, I mean, if you had to put a, a percentage on it, someone's out there hedging a bet, that's what's going on here. I don't know because uh, there is a, uh, there's a lobbying group here in Iowa that is such a passionate group um, of bow hunters in this state that literally are in the ears of all the representatives. The second any type of bills even come up like that, they are absolutely dogging. They're them. shooting it down. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, they, and which, you know, they're passionate about it, you know, for a lot of the same reasons, you know, that, uh, that I stated, they, they want to see the resource be, you know, and quite honestly, they want to see the resources that, and I don't disagree with this. Yeah. You know, as a non-resident, you're paying tax and land. I get that, you know, but as a resident too, um, you know, you're paying all the state tax when you're here, you're doing, mm-hmm. you're living here, you know, you want to be able to go, you know, it's been it's a nice thing about Iowa you can still get permission to go and hunt where all of a sudden everything is a complete pay-to-play you know deal I mean a lot of the you know that a lot of residents aren't going to hunt anymore and you're also going to see the overall you know hunting numbers go down which I don't want to see that either then you see kids you know not getting into the sport um, you know because right now I think as as hunter access goes down then you know it hurts our sport overall a lot worse Mm -hmm. so I'm I'm very much for that. Obviously you can tell I'm, I'm pro, you know, kind of keep it the way it is and, and uh, whether it benefit me or not. Um, I, I, I think that they're doing it right. And I'd like to see it continue that way. And uh, if I had to put a number on it, um, I don't, I, I don't Below 50%. To, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I really do. Um, I think it'll, I think it'll end up being, uh, I think it'll be very tough. Um, you know, there's some guys with some serious, serious coin coming at these things, you know, trying to, uh, uh, you know, trying to, uh, to break through this barrier. And Can you they, name any names that are on, that are in this group, this, uh, this Masonic group of, of, of like, Iowa Bow Hunters Association is what it okay. is. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Iowa Bow Hunters Association. And, uh, uh, it, it, like I say, it's, it's a passionate group and, and, uh, you know, and, you know, I, I, I I'm, I'm actually not a member of it, but I still get their emails and stuff. And it's like, sure. the second anything comes up, Hey, email these guys, email these guys. I mean, they're, they're on top of it, you know, and that is and, cool. Yeah. And so, but they just, I, like I said, I think they just want to, you know, they want to protect the resource overall for both, both the deer and for the hunters in the state of Iowa. Yeah. I mean, I can't really argue that. I mean, if, uh, if I heard that was coming down the line, I would definitely try to go buy a 30 or 40, like in Iowa. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't you? But, um, also I see the allure of, of how it's set up now, but so I want to ask you, cause you, you're not a resident of where you own. Is that correct? Like I, I see a resident as like within 30 minutes, like in your backyard type deal. Yeah. No, my farms, you know, it's, you know, uh, yeah, it takes me an hour and a half or to three hours to, to get to them. So yeah, so it can definitely take me a little while. So I've I've had to adjust, you know, with a lot of those and uh, with driving and and figuring out, uh, you know, arrangements of how to, you know, where to stay, what to do, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. So and I think that's a really common thing with people buying recreational ground. I mean, a lot of the buyers I work with are out of Chicago land. Um, so if, if someone's listening to this now, I mean, what are some pieces of advice that they should really consider? I mean one and a half hours seems like a sweet spot of distance to where your house is three hours starts to feel kind of like a stretch. So like what, what's some advice or words of wisdom on that? Yeah. So, you know, for me, you know, I don't mind actually the drive. Um, I'm weird like that. I like to drive first off when I am driving, I'm literally calling up pretty much everybody I know, clients, everything else. I love that time period actually. It's just, it's solitude. I can take care of, you know, just getting in contact because, because this world, this business that I'm in, you know, with, with some land, I mean, it's, it's about networking. And so I'm constantly on the phone when I do that. So I don't mind that drive. Somebody who's not in that type of world probably would not like a three hour drive. Mm-hmm. Um, that hour and a half is probably, you know, just like you allude to it. That's probably the sweet spot. You know, but then even at an hour and a half, you know, then, then, then you look into, okay, where, where am I going to stay? You know, because there's, you know, there's some days where you're going to want to, you know, spend the night or whatever. I've done, you know, multiple things here. See, and here's the thing when it comes to, when it comes to land and, you know, a lot of guys want to go in there and like, oh, I want to build a really nice cabin and I want to have a really nice place. And that's probably okay right now. You can get your money out of it in, in this market, but in all the years I've been doing this and I've even talked to bankers, you know, and they're like, yep, 50% of what you put into it is pretty much what, the, what it is. Wow. It just, they, especially on a bigger farm. I mean, maybe you get that out of a smaller 40, 80 or something like that, but you get into like a 160 with like a, you know, small 
1500, you know, square foot cabin or something like that, you're just not getting that value back out of it. So I really tell people whenever they're, if they're going to go put a place on there, you know, be conscientious of, of, of your cost and your price, because most likely you're really not going to get that out of it. And you're not going to get a huge gain because people aren't looking to use that as their residence or anything like that. It adds value. It really just doesn't add price as much. Sure. Um, so, so you would say kind of go the bare bones approach. Cause I will say, I think that helps people actually maybe wanting to buy a parcel because it has that place to crash and it has like the bare bone essentials and uh, maybe extends that because like you said, like, okay, where am I going to stay? Where am I going to put all my stuff? The bare bones essentials is, is exactly that. Now I, so I'm, I'm an exact example here and I'll explain exactly what, what I've done. Um, so I, uh, I had, I bought a camper. And so I was, I just stayed in the camper and obviously uh, I had some friends where if I need to go shower or something like that, I'd go do that. Um, but what I'm ended up doing is kind of the opposite of the advice I just gave is I'm putting a little bit of a place, <laughs> but I'm trying to make it more of a, uh, I just put up a 30, for instance, I just put up a 32 by 48 building on my farm mm-hmm. and, and uh, I'm going to put like 32 of 32 by 20. I'm building currently, well, as soon as spring really comes up when I get the concrete in, uh, I'm going to putting in a little bit of a living space. So it's going to be one bedroom, you know, one bath. Um, so that way I actually have a place to actually shower. And my reason really was, you know, I can do the camper thing, you know, but I've got a wife, I've got two kids, you know, two little girls that are five and three that are, that are starting, you know, to somewhat take an interest. You know, my, I just took my daughters out here, you know, this past weekend and they were finding sheds and they love that stuff and riding around the four wheelers and going doing some fishing and stuff like that. Um, so as my family has grown, that has become more important to me. Um, and so now when they come, you know, I'm building this place here and I'm gonna make it somewhat nicer than it would be for just me. I mean, I sure. can, I can live in, you know, basically anything and be fine. Um, but my wife isn't that same way and she wouldn't really put up with that. So I got to make it somewhat nicer for her. So, and, and a lot of guys can probably relate, you know, to that once they, once they do have a family and, and a wife who, you know, and my wife isn't a hunter, you know, so it, that makes it even probably more difficult for me. So I got to make it, you know, uh, more enticing for her. Um, so I'm, but so I'm building a place there and, and, uh, you know, and I'll probably just put car siding all throughout and make it look like a log cabin kind of in, on the inside. I'll do a lot of it, you know, probably myself. Um, so I can keep that cost down. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but it is, it's one better. It's not, I'm not going to have a ton of money that I'm trying to put into this thing. I am trying to keep it, you know, uh, cost, cost conscious, you know, there. Um, Cause like I said, I think if I was, if I was putting something over a hundred thousand dollars, I'm probably, I'm not getting that back out. Yeah. I think when, when I'm all said and done with this thing, unfortunately with prices, the way they are, I, I'll just tell you 32 by 48 building cost me 30 grand to have mm-hmm. that thing put up. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, you go and build, you know, the inside out there, I'm probably looking at a minimum of probably an extra 40, you know, to, mm-hmm. and for more electric and probably more like 50. So, um, so I'll probably be 75 to $80,000 into this thing when it's all said and done. Mm-hmm. But you have a place to, I mean, at sometimes there's more than dollars and cents, like there's consumption to that. Like you're going to go there and make, make memories with your family. And you know, what's the value of that? You're going to all get more enjoyment out of it. So, I mean, it's, you have that, that also goes into a decision in my opinion. Correct. Correct. Which is, which is, which is a big reason why I don't use the 401k stuff as much as I do real estate, because I like to enjoy the things that I like to invest sure. in. And, yeah. uh, and, that's just a, and that's just another way to do it. And, uh, and my girls, you know, as I, I want them to enjoy the outdoors and I want them to, ha- I want my family to have an enjoyable experience when they come down, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I don't want them to feel like, you know, we're, they're like, you daddy's, you know, little cruddy cabin or camper <laughs> or something like that, you know, and mice yeah. running around and everything else. And, and yeah. uh, they come back again, you know, it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't work out well for anybody. <laughs> for sure. So here's a, here's a fun question. Tell us the story of the first farm you ever bought. How old were you? What was, what was it? What, what do you regret after you bought it? And what things were you like, Oh my God, this was perfect. Uh, so the first farm I bought actually was, uh, that was in 2008. And I bought, uh, I'd bought 176 acres and it was, a how old were you? Uh, I was 27. Okay. And, uh, so I was 27 years old then. And I had actually purchased that with my, my old father-in-law. So this is where probably the part that comes in her regret. <laughs> um, and, uh, so I was actually, I remember I was sitting up in, so this is, part of the reason why I'm not in Northeast Iowa anymore. I was always, my heart was always in Southeast Iowa and I always wanted to be down there. And I was sitting up in, uh, in Decorah, Iowa, and I was looking at a paper 
And it was, I want to say it was like a Hertz, you know, real estate or something like that had, had this listing down there and it was like 176 acres, 110 acres of timber and, uh, and you know, it was a 66, you know, acres of, of uh, CRP. And I'm like, and it said like $1,400 an acre. And I'm like, Hmm, like something seems off here. And uh, so I called it up and, and uh, sure enough, uh, that's exactly what it was. And I went down and took a look at the farm and I bought it for $1,326 an acre. And so then, uh, which it was a, I regret selling it now. I mean, sure. honestly, I think if, if, you know, looking back in hindsight, I don't think I'd, I don't think I'd sell any of my farms, you know, anymore. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh, cause I ended up having, I, off that farm, I ended up killing two booners off that thing, had a 200 incher that was on there that had 35 yards, almost, you know, that sh- I probably should have killed. Um, it was just a smoker of farm, but then, uh, then I ended up getting divorced in between then. So as I said, old father-in-law. And uh, so I ended up selling that farm. But Tough yeah. hunting buddy there after that. <laughs> you know, I'm actually still, I actually still have lunch. The guy probably once a month. He's, 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 we've still stayed very good friends. Good. Um, but uh, uh, I, I ended up selling it there, but I sold it for good money. I, like I said, I bought it for 1326 and I ended up selling it for, you know, for 2000 and, you know, an acre at that time, you know, mm-hmm. that was, and that was a year later in 2009. Wow. So, and that was right when that, uh, that economy, yeah. Cause, cause the, the, the whole entire housing market had happened in 2008 and, the, and it started to really feel it more in 2009. And I sold it just before that really started to hit hard. Mm-hmm. And uh, just cause, you know, I was like, well, I don't know what the economy is going to do or whatever. I'm going to sell it then. Sure. And uh, since, since it wasn't working out with my partner as much. <laughs> yeah. So what do you think that place is worth now? If you had a, if you had a guess. Uh, right now it's, I'd say to go buy that thing right now. And, and I still, I'm still friends with the people that, that I sold it to cause they still own it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you're probably looking at 4,500 to over $5,000 an acre, probably minimum to go and buy it. Yeah. 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 I mean, most of these good farms really in Southeast Iowa anymore. Um, I mean, the good ones are almost all $5,000 an acre now. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it just shot through the roof so fast, you know, so quickly in the last, in the last year. Um, but your good ones that guys really, really want, that's what they're paying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's only so many like good neighborhoods, good farms. Uh, I mean, when you, whenever you fly a plane, you look down, you're like, Holy cow, this, this earth or this world is really not as big as what it feels like when you're standing on the soil. And then when versus when you're up there, it's like, or like, um, there's so often, I'm sure you have this too, where people start talking about a, a farm in blah, blah County. And then like, they say a couple things, like then I already instantly know what it is because there's just, there's, there's only, I mean, there's only so many good spots that even are noteworthy in a conversation. So like it is, you're right. Like the good spots are far and few in between. It's a small world and it gets smaller as you get older. I'm and, sure. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, I've got so many stories like that where literally people will start t- talking to me. And I'll be like, is that the, you know, the Smith farm or something like that? And they're like, they'll be, you know, just bug eyed. Like, how'd you know that? <laughs> like, yeah, yep. I know a lot yep. of these farms out here. <laughs> yeah. It, it happens all the time. Yeah. I, I was actually recording a podcast for the land podcast and they were from uh, Indiana and they were talking about a place in Illinois. And I was, they, I was like, they already sold it. I was like, is it, I pulled up Onyx Light Point and they're like, is that it? Like, yeah. How'd you know? And I was like, cause there's only so many places that are like that. Um, so you, you sold that farm. How long until you were in the game again or bought your next farm? Um, it was a little while. Um, I had to build back up again. And yep. uh, so, I, so of course I ended up starting, you know, uh, I started, you know, of course, like a lot of people, um, buying a 40, you know, moved into a, uh, then moved into an 80 and, uh, then, then I ended up actually cashing out there for a little bit. And then I didn't 1031 on that one. I, I 1031 from the 40 to the 80, mm-hmm. um, built that up and then ended up cashing out. And then I ended up buying a, another 80, and, uh, and then ended up buying another 120 that bordered it. So okay. I've got two other acres, you know, that are, that are continuous now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, but it's, yeah, it's, it's, and I bought them and I bought them right. You know, I don't, I typically don't buy, I typically don't buy farms, you know, to, to flip or anything like that, but, but you always got to look at it, you know, like, Hey, if I needed to sell it, you know, I mean, you know, could, what could I, what could I get at? Could I at least get my money back out of it? You know, sure. For sure. And, uh, but so I, and I bought these ones, right. You know, I mean, so, and then just to give you an idea, I mean, I'll just, you know, I bought these ones, uh, literally last year and, uh, at, I think my dollar cost average between the two, um, was 2875. Wow. And I guess a little bit over a year, about a year and a half ago between the two of them. And, you know, I mean, I've been offered $5,000 an acre for them already. Wow. You know? I mean, so, 
that's how fast and hard this market went up, you know, so quickly. And really, and what I've noticed too, is about every 10 to 15 years, you end up having a, you know, a, a boom. Run up. Mm-hmm. And I think that we're kind of, I mean, I think that if you're, if you're buying now, you're, you're probably in for the, you know, for the long term. I mean, you can maybe, you know, but I don't, you're, I just, are you going to see another run up like this? Uh, possibly, you know, uh, I, I was talking with a, with a friend here the other day, the world has changed so much and the land stuff has changed so much because the land, the landscape of real estate and, and really the overall economy, because information tra- travels so fast now, um, you know, with everything being digital, you know, we're not having, it doesn't take a year for the market to correct itself or anything like that. I mean, things are happening so much faster. I think we've got a, a lot more volatility so where I say, you know, maybe, you know, it was 10 to 15 years in the past, it might be five to seven now, you know, because we're in such, because information, um, you know, and our markets change so much quicker, you know, now because of that, because everything in this world is quick, you know, there's not, there's not a whole lot that's lagging, you know, in, in this world as much anymore because information gets to everybody. Um, yeah. So I, and I think that'll kind of happen. I think we're going to see more volatility in these, in the, in the real estate markets, you know, kind of like, you know, right now, I think we're, I think we're kind of looking, you know, uh, I was just looking up, uh, you know, JP Morgan came out and said, and, and I looked up uh, some of the LIBOR, you know, feature predictions, and they're saying not, you know, possibly nine straight quarters of interest rates rising. Well, mm-hmm. that puts us into like five and a half percent. Yep. you know, on that, you know, on that thing. So it's going to cost more for a lot of these people's, you know, people to buy farms and it's going to probably, you know, stay that way for a little bit. It's still not a horrible, I mean, if, actually, if you think about it, you know, uh, farms weren't, were kind of there really like two years ago, you know, mm-hmm. we just ended up having such a huge interest rate drop that, um, you know, so it's really not, that's not bad. It's not like farms aren't going to be bought for these same prices, which is, it's just a little bit more cost, obviously in the game. So I think what you're going to see, um, you know, here in the near future is I think you're going to see a little bit of a, uh, I think you'll see more supply. I think people are going to start to realize that, Hey, we're at the top of the market. And honestly, I would say if, if you're, if you own land and you're looking to sell, I'd say right now is the time I'd say any type of real estate. I personally think that my, you know, my opinion is, is that right now we're at the top. And if anything, you're, you're just on the ear, you're, you're maybe even a little too late. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think, I think we're right there at the very, very tip. And uh, if you could sell tomorrow, that'd be the, the right time. Um, Cause I do think that there's going to be a, more supply comes onto the market, which I do think it will happen. I think, you know, you, there's going to be more negotiation room I mean, right now, as you well know, um, a lot of these farms, if you're not really just come in to, to come Same in and buy it. Yeah. yeah you're, you're just not, you're not getting it. You're, you're out of the game. If you think you're going to negotiate a whole lot of stuff, you, you, you're probably not getting the farm, you know, in this yeah. type of market. And, you know, I think it's, I, I think what they say, uh, uh, you know, it's a seller's market. If it's, if it's anything, you know, if the average listings are, are 30 days or, or less and anything above that is, it ends up being, you know, uh, uh, more of a normal market. I think, uh, I think it's maybe 90 days in yeah. the buyer's market. Yep. Uh, so, uh, so we're, we're obviously still in a seller's market. We're going to continue to be there. And uh, you know, the other part about it is, is grain prices are still very high. Mm-hmm. And what I think will end up happening in, in my personal opinion is I think you'll see recreational prices. Um, I think you'll kind of see those steady out. I don't think you're going to see, you know, them jump, jumping as much. I think you'll see tillable. I think tillable is still going to go up and still make a, you know, a good strong run. There's so much money in the ag market right now. Um, but I do think the rec stuff will kind of stall out. And then I do think at some point or another that, uh, especially as grain prices probably end up making some sort of correction, um, you know, that, uh, that that'll end up, you know, kind of steadying out as well. And I think that'll end up being here in the next, in the next probably two years, you know, that that'll happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, but once again, it's just like I talked to, a, I talked to a farmer um, and he owns, this guy owns probably 2000, 3000 acres or something like that. And he, and he says to me, he says, you know, Tyler, he says, every single farm I ever bought, he said, I cringed and it hurt me. And he said, I was literally scared to death every single one I bought. And he said, two to three years later, he said, I was happy, happy as hell. I bought that thing. You yeah. Know? And, uh, and that's, 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 good. Yeah. that's a good that's, insight. Yeah, that's and that's the thing about land. You know, it's it's uh, it's not going anywhere. It's it's a, it's a very very you know, I mean, obviously you can't say for sure, but it's about as safe as investment as you can make. And and, and then especially from a recreational standpoint, you can you can truly enjoy it. And from a tillable, you know, from a tillable standpoint, you know, um, there's a reason why those farms pass down, you know, generation to generation to generation. Especially when you can do, you know, uh, 
when you can pass down to your children with without the with that step without a stepped up base or that stepped right. up basis in there. Yeah. So you know, and it's just it's just money for you know for families for years and years to come. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, so land's always going to be an incredible investment, and, and we're not getting any more of it. You know, and and the world population is going up. So even in these you know these tighter markets, whatever. I mean, and you know, you talked earlier about you know, hey, I'm waiting for this economy to crash. Well, you know, the thing is, is when you know when when people are going to start to uh, when people are starting to sell. I mean, that's it's just like the old adage: when people, when everybody else is selling, you better be buying. You know, yeah. and that's in, in the opposite. When everybody yep. else is, you know, and that's and that's and that's where you know that's where we're at. So you know, I mean, so or everybody else is buying, you better be selling. And uh, so yeah, it's. Uh, I think, like I said, I think we're at the top. I think, I think the market here in the near future will end up being a little bit more stagnant, but it's not like land's a a bad investment. No. Well, and the beauty, if you are in the market right now and you are buying, you're still locking in those low interest rates before they go up a bunch too. So like there's a silver lining in that too. Like, okay, if this is the top and you're buying it with a long-term goal, it's still a really good time to buy. Well, and that's, and that's, I was talking with another guy here the other day and I said, you know, um, the thing is, is as, as we all kind of know, interest rates are, are going to go up. I mean, there's still kind of that drive and that rush. It's like, okay, if I, if I buy and, you know, if I buy here sooner, I'm going to get it cheaper here. And because you know that if, especially if you're on the belief of, you know, what JP Morgan or LIBOR or any, any of them say that, Hey, you're gonna have nine straight quarters of, of interest rate rises. Well, the sooner that you can buy, the better off you are, mm-hmm. you know, because you're going to be able to lock in a better interest rate. Um, you know, so, so that's a driving force that'll probably continue to keep things in. But I, like I said, I think as people realize that we're towards the top of that price market, um, then, uh, you know, then I think you're going to start to see a little bit more of supply finally hit the market. Because right now, obviously. So uh, pent up. Yeah, there's just, there's just not a whole lot. I mean, guys, I've, I've got buyers, you know, lined up you know, forever, you know, and, uh, it's just hard finding the right stuff, you know, and, and just like I was telling you earlier, I've got a lot of stuff where I'm just, I'm calling landers themselves and, and, uh, and, you know, putting offers in front of them when they don't even have it for sale, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, what's the, you know, what's the not for sale price, you know, and well, here, here, you know, and, uh, and that's what a lot of people are having to do in order to get some stuff. I mean, I've seen some just absolutely crazy numbers of stuff that should, that sold, a year or two ago at half the prices, you know, or less, or even, even maybe 60% of that, you know, uh, two years ago. So it's insane, you know, some of the, but when you got a low supply and you got to move some money, especially in a 1031 situation, that's going to happen. Yeah. Yep. Time in the market beats time in the market is kind of what the overall uh, arching theme and uh, advice from a lot of people that, that come on here is time in the market beats timing. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like I said, if, if you're not, you're just going to watch it pass you by. Yeah. So you mentioned you wish you didn't sell any of your farms. Um, I mean, so why is that? Is it just because you you bought them for a reason because you liked them and then, you know, you thought you wanted something bigger or better or, or what's the, what's the regret? The grass is greener on the other side sometimes, you know, uh-huh. and it's not. Um, for instance, that, that farm was incredible. And, uh, you know, that was a really, really good farm that I know that if I had it to this day, I, I'd probably killed twice the amount of booners, you know, at that point. I mean, it was just one of those types of farms. It was really, really good. And, and, and almost really to the point where I knew what I had, but I didn't know what I had, mm-hmm. you know? And so that's why I say, I, and, and the other thing is, is, is what I sell, you know, I, unless, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not huge on going and buying and flipping farms. Like I said, because it's just, it's uh, it's just not what I, I, I don't want to be that guy in, in the real estate market, you know, that's mm-hmm. buying something, you know, buying, you know, little old Sally's, you know, farm and selling it for a higher price. That's just not what I like to do. I'll buy it off another agent and, uh, and do that, you know, but, uh, right. but I, I won't do it to my own, you know, the, my own clients. Um, so, uh, so, but I, I, I like farms. I love dirt. Um, you know, I'd probably end up leveraged, you know, maybe I'd end up leveraging some income, you know, or, or, or not income but some equity, you know, off of those farms to go buy others, you know, if that was the case, you know, if I, if I still had those and just keep on continuing the portfolio, but I mean, my kind of rule of thumb is I, you know, I've dealt with a lot of investors and a lot of guys and really, unless you can get that 20% build in, you know, basically if like, if you could sell for five and buy for four, you know, then it's maybe worth it, you know, sure. but otherwise, otherwise I, you know, I don't, I don't really see, you know, going, going and, buying or selling for five and buying for 45 really isn't uh, 
that great of a deal. Right. Um, there's uh, Grant Cardone. He's a he's a real estate guy, but he he says in terms of businesses he sold, he wish he he regrets every business he's ever sold, and he wish he would have held on to. And he says the the rich people sell, but the super wealthy people never do. And uh, he said if you want to sell for different, he said don't sell for money. If you want to sell because you don't like, for instance, the business, so I'll just use this. If you don't like the farm anymore, you don't like the neighbors, then maybe it makes sense to sell. But if you're just selling it to make money, based off this advice and what you said, maybe it doesn't make sense. You know, but then again. Then again, I know some guys that have 1031 since they were 25 years old, you know. Right. And then they yeah, <laughs> defer till they die. <laughs> yeah. They've got a, an acreage portfolio that is just out of this world. Sure. Yeah. And uh, so then I look at those guys. I'm like, well, am I stupid? <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know. And uh, it's tough. Yeah. Yeah. So some guys just got a knack for it. You know, I mean, I'm in real estate. You know, my goal is to help out you know, every buyer and seller, you know, I got in the situation and, and uh, well, I take advantage if I have, you know, property that I can, you know, that, that I can do in a, in a, in an ethical way. Absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. I'll go in and, uh, and buy that if I feel like it is, but, but, uh, but yeah, for the, for the most part there, I, yeah, I'd probably just hold on to the stuff. I, cause I love dirt. I love everything. I just, but I just tried buying more. That's all I'd probably try, try to do. Sure. So uh, I have, we have a hard stop here, but if you had to give one, parting piece of advice for someone that's looking to buy their first piece of ground they're 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 scrapping up saving some dollars and they're looking to buy something what piece of advice would you give them or um silver lining of like the finish line is in as far as you think you know what my advice is is just find the right piece and 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 don't just stutter and and just buy it i mean you know, that's is dive in, you know, don't just put one foot in and, and, uh, and go and look at it or whatever. Um, just, just go and buy the thing. Um, every, you know, I've got so many pieces of ground, you know, throughout my life that I wish I'd have bought, you know, that, uh, that, I mean, how many people do we know that tell us like, Oh, I could have bought this thing at a thousand dollars an acre here at this time. You know, now it's $5,000 an acre and I can't ever touch the thing again. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know what, if you can do it, and if, I mean, it's, there's risk in every single thing, but you know, what I've learned in life is, is go and take that risk is good. I mean, it, it builds character. Um, I, I, you know, I was scared every single farm I ever bought. And I, and now years later, I, same as that, same as that farmer told me, I don't regret a single one of them as long be smart about it. You know, be, you know, obviously don't extend yourself. I mean, if it's, if a farm is going to own you, it's not worth it, good but, point. you know, but if you can own that farm, and, you know, and enjoy it. And you know what, that's, that's the best of all worlds. You know, you got a great investment that you enjoy. I mean, what more could you really ask for? Yeah, that's great. Well, I'll let you plug how people can find you. And if maybe in there in Iowa and they're looking to buy or sell, they should probably give you a call, but I'll, I'll give, I'll pass the baton to you. Yeah. So if, uh, so probably the best way to get hold of me is just to call me and that my phone number is 563 563- three seven zero zero eight six six and uh you know if you're a, uh, an email guy my uh, my email is just just my name tyler tissue at landpros.com and that's tissue with just one s awesome well certainly appreciate your time appreciate your insight and uh, we'll have to do this again yeah absolutely man anytime all right, there you guys have it. Thank you so much, Tyler, for taking the time to sit and record with us. And also, thanks for making it this far into the episode. Really appreciate it. If you enjoyed it, be sure to leave it a written review. It helps us reach more people. It helps with the iTunes algorithm and everything else uh, that goes along with that. And also, if you listen on Spotify, you can now leave a five-star review. So if you would do that, it would really mean a lot. And hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your week. Until next time, see you.